0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah. Amen. If you'll stand with me this morning in the house of the Lord. Amen and turn to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalm chapter number 15. We're still in a series that's left over from last year. Started at the beginning of of December. It was kind of it's been every other week with the other things that have went on in the month of December and such. Amen. we are still in the series, our reserved parking, reserved parking series. I am continuing that here this morning, Reserve Parking Series. Again, we have a baptism at the end of the service. Aiden McBroom is going to be baptized, and we're thankful. That's a great way to start a new year. Amen. Someone to be baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, uh, later this afternoon, I'm going to be baptizing somebody else, and so that's going to be great too. Amen. And so we're thankful for both of those this morning. It's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Thankful for all of you that are here. They, I think uh, I may be a little bit incorrect, but I believe they say, at least the rule of thumb is, is whatever you do on the first day of the year is more than likely what you'll do the rest of the year. And so you've all started out very well by showing up on church on the first day of the year, and worshiping and praying. And, 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 and if, if you're if you going to start your Bible reading program, start it today. Amen. Start it today. And uh, continue with it and stick with it uh, through the highs and the lows. Hallelujah. And God, he'll prove himself to be faithful to you. Psalms 15. I'm going to begin read. I'm going to read the whole chapter. There's only five verses. This is what I've done each week. I do want to say how thankful I am to have family. I know my father has already said that, but it is always a a privilege to have uh, our family with us. Uh, My my father-in-law, Dale uh, McBroom, and have Judy and Anthony Wilson with us. Uh, my mother-in-law, and also to have uh, my brother-in-law, Dale, and sister-in-law, Rachel, and their children, Zane and Kylie, with us. Uh, some of them got here on Thursday, so we've had a little extended visit, and that has been so uh, refreshing to have them uh, with us, and any time we can get together and do that, that's just such a, a great privilege, especially with Ashley and Andrew already here, too, so that just makes it all of us to be able to be together. We have, the, we have the boy-girl syndrome in our families. Uh, each of us have a boy and a girl, and all of our kids are relatively close in age, and so they make some great and bad playing partners at times. But uh, it, it, it just makes life interesting, so thank you for them. Uh, thank you for De- Dale and Rachel. Dale and Rachel is our conference family. Yeah. Dale and Rachel, by and large, are our conference family. Anytime we go to a National Youth Convention or... General Ministry Conference, they are there. Dale's usually working, uh, and and Rachel's playing the part of a widow during those three days or whatever. And uh, we usually have time to spend uh, with them or even at least catch a meal in between Dale's schedule. Amen. But we're so thankful for them. Amen. And everyone here today, just want to give honor to them, love our family. Psalms 15, verse 1. Lord, David is asking the question, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbideth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own her and changeth not, He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things, David records from the Lord, shall never be moved. And that's where we get our reserved parking. David's asking, who who can be in your presence? God's reply is, those who do or don't do this, they'll never be removed. Amen. This morning, our subject matter is tips for avoiding parking tickets. Tips for avoiding parking tickets today. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. He would help us in the next few moments. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you, Jesus, in this place today. Your presence, God, that we acknowledge and that we have felt. Pray, oh, Lord, that you would touch those, Lord, who God, have made the effort, Lord, to be in the house of the Lord today. Pray, God, that you would touch them. Strengthen us, Lord, through and by your word. Let there be some application, Lord, through your word this morning, God, for our individual lives. God, and we'll praise and thank you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. You may be seated this morning just for the sake of those who have been hit and miss with different things that went on in the past month. Allow me just to recap a little bit so people may get their bearings here. We've been considering David's questions in verse number one, his questions that he asked the Lord, no greater source could he have asked than the Lord and the responses that are given then in the remaining part of this chapter, according to the previous chapter, chapter number 14, David is talking about the era in which he was living, that he was living in a time in which he could not find anybody that was seeking out God. As a matter of fact, he said he was living in such an environment that the people of his day were even touting that there was no God and that they were turning aside from every way and every idea that was uh, along the lines of the Savior or the Master, which led these people just to further corruption. And so David is telling that to us in Psalms 14 about seemingly the landscape of his time. And so with that, he turns a corner in chapter 15 and says, God, uh, since this seems to be the societal norm that I am living in, then what, what does a sojourner in your presence, what does a resident of your presence look like? I got plenty of examples and I got plenty of models for people that are outside of your presence. But what does it look like for somebody that is in your presence? Because I'm lacking that type of model. I'm lacking that type of example. And so if there's somebody that is seeking God, and if there is somebody that is mindful of God and desirous of God, what does that person look like? I need to know that because I have a real good idea what it looks like for somebody not to want to have anything to do with God. Not to be desirous of God. And so with these several items in Psalms 15, David shares with us from the Lord the verses that follow from verse number 2 on. Uh, The Lord begins to tell us through the pen of David that if a person accomplishes these things that are listed in chapter 15, he will never be moved. He will, in essence, have reserved parking in the presence of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the three primary overarching items that the Lord spoke unto David that would lead others uh, to be in in the presence of the Lord. And those three items, those three bullet points was this, namely, number one, that man that's in the presence of the Lord, whether it's now upon the earth as a sojourner, a stranger and a pilgrim, or someday in eternity in heaven, that person walketh uprightly, number one. Number two, he is also a person that worketh righteousness. Number three, he is a person that speaketh the truth. And so the Lord is telling David, you want to know what a presence dweller looks like? It's this. You got to pay attention to what his walk is like, what his work is like, and what his word is like. See, the person that's in the presence of the Lord, his walk is less likely to be chargeable With any type of blame, you can't necessarily get a handle on to be able to bring an accusation of blame against a person that is to be found in the presence of the Lord. His work is habitual. In other words, he is putting on the righteousness of God. We know that he worketh righteousness. He cannot do that within his humanity or within his flesh because there's not, no, not one righteous, the Bible says. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But oftentimes, righteousness is described in Scripture as a garment. It is something that you must put on, and it comes directly from the Lord. And he says, so you, your work is a habitual practice of constantly putting on or keeping on the righteousness of God who is righteous in all of his ways. As a matter of fact, In the Bible, in Ephesians, the Bible tells us that this new man that you and I have received or this new man that we have put on, uh, Paul admonished us to put off the old man and to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. So this new man that we have put on is in the similitude of God, which is righteousness. It is a righteous new man. Number three, though, that man, his words of his mouth, the words of his mouth must agree with the thoughts and the purposes of his heart. In other words, there is no discrepancy between what he says and what his heart thinks or what his heart He says, so when you find somebody in the presence of the Lord, their mouth and their heart are in agreement. They're not serving me with their lips and their heart is far from me, but their lips is testifying of what their heart's condition is. And so after learning, after David here is learning from the Lord a little bit about what this presence dweller is or what he looks like or what he is, he then flips a coin here. He says, now, I'm not going to only tell you what a presence dweller is. I'm going to teach you what he is not. All right. okay. Amen. Sometimes it's just as well to know what something is and also to know what it isn't. Matter of fact, sometimes it's easier to say what something isn't than what it is. And so he says, here is what one who's going to be a guest now a resident then in the presence of the Lord. Here is what one is not. Verse three: He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Amen. It's the first day of year. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is what he is. Not, if I may read from the Jerusalem Bible, as you know, you're going to hear this this all year. Whose tongue is not used for slander, who does no wrong to his fellow, casts no discredit on his neighbor. So the Lord says, whether now this is important now because we're considering this reserved parking uh, as we did the very first Sunday uh, for residents and guests only. All right. And so whether as a guest now. For someday as a permanent resident, God says he cannot backbite with his tongue. Does not backbite with his tongue. Cannot do evil to his neighbor. Cannot take up a reproach against his neighbor. Now, this is interesting to me. That the word backbiteth, backbiteth, means to go on foot. Kind of peculiar, huh? To foot it or to spy out. To foot it with your tongue. To spy out with your tongue. More times than not, this, this Hebrew word in the King James Version is translated spy or spy out. It's all times used in that respect. And whenever you begin to consider that, the occupation, if you will, of a spy for the most part is going about gathering intelligence, yeah. gathering information covertly, covertly. About another. All right. For the purpose of using that information. With hostile intent. The occupation of a spy is normally collecting all this information. For their own. Advantage. And so God is telling David here. David one who is to be a guest. Or planning to be a resident in my presence do, does not go around using their tongue in conversation Come on. for gathering material. Right. Come on. Gathering okay. intelligence Come on. about someone else to be used in a malicious manner against that person. Right. Yes. Uh, right. Someone say amen. amen. Because see, a backbiter Spice out people's lives by means of their conversation. Now, you might not be hunkered down and camouflaged and sleuthing along the corners of their home, all right, and got got your face painted and all that, but it's by means of your conversation that you are spying out and you are exploring. You're gathering the intel. Is everybody doing okay? You're... you're You're asking how things are between you and Joe. (laughs) And sometimes it's done with the guys that you're sincerely wanting to know. Because you are sincerely wanting to know. And whenever they've gathered enough that's confidential, we might even say. Gathered enough of the secretive scoop. Uh Watch out. Because they're going to use it against the person that they've gathered the intel on. Yeah. Now, folks, we got to, we got to, this is like climbing Mount Everest here today. Because my Bible tells me in James 3 and 6, talking about here not backbiting with his tongue, it tells me a little bit about this tongue that I have in my mouth. And Lord, I know, it, it's, it's venomous. The tongue is a fire, the Bible says, a world of iniquity Late last night, I paused on that, and man, that just really kind of rocked me a little bit because the tongue which is just a member of my body, through Pastor James, God says, that little member that's in your body is a world. That little member is a world. Of iniquity, so is the the tongue among our members, and that it defileth the whole body and set on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Look at verse 8. But the tongue can no maintain. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And so I got a tongue that is a fire. It's a world that I got a world in my mouth. A world of iniquity in my mouth. Unruly evil, deadly poison. It defiles the whole body. Now, listen here. If it's a defiler of the whole body, please know for sure that it will be a defiler and that it goes and it will spy out and gather intelligence that it's no problem for our tongue to gather intelligence that is positive aspects of somebody. You hearing me? Positive aspects of somebody, our tongue has the capability of defiling the best and the greatest of good. It is no problem for it to be able to take a positive and somehow stretch it, tie it, move it around, and make it negative. Because it is a defiler. Amen. And here's the thing. It isn't so much so sometimes that what the backbiter says is untruthful. Huh? But its intent uh-huh. is hostile. Right, sir. Right. Mm. The old saying, Well, I'm just speaking the truth. Drop the mic. What I'm saying is the truth. You don't have to speak untruth to be a backbiter. All you got to do is use truth in such a way that its motive is impure. Sometimes just because something is truth doesn't mean it is necessarily information that needs to be shared. Now, look at this. Look at this. I I, I ask you to turn to Romans 1. We're going to dilly-dally around in Romans 1 just a little bit. Amen. I'm being mindful of time. I understand here. We got it. We can do it. I got faith. Romans 1 verse number 29 has a list of, of labels, if you will. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. Verse 30, backbiter, someone underline it. Haters of God. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, and unmerciful. Verse 30, everybody say backbiters. Now, this is in a list of several labels in Romans chapter number one. But to understand where this list of labels fits in all to Romans number one, I'll just tell you and then we'll look at it. Any of these labels that are in this list are consequences. Are you listening? Consequences. All right. They are symptoms of a deeper problem. They are consequences of a person that does not give glory. The right glory to God and are thankful. They are unthankful. That is the very seed from which all of these things go. And so with that being said, backbiting then is a symptom of a deep problem of an unglorified God and unthankfulness. Now just follow with me here for a little bit. Romans 1, verse. this is just teaching today. Romans 1 and verse 18, look at it now. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. We'll get back to that phrase a little later. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 21, because that. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Listen to me. When men refuse to glorify God, they will likely be hostile toward their fellow man that is made in the similitude of God. Now, this is very basic. This is very basic. How can you expect a person that does not rightly glorify God and to be able to speak well of man who was made in the similitude of God? Hmm? It, 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 it almost seems a, it would be a contradictory, if you will, of action to be able to do that. If you can't glorify God, you will not be able to speak well of mankind. hmm Now, no, there's a downward spiral. You never get anywhere overnight. You never wake up one day a gossip. You never wake up one day a slander or a backbiter or a backslider. That just doesn't happen. There's a downward spiral that surfaces in Romans, chapter number one. And so here's a person. They're, they're, they know God, but they're not glorifying Him as God. and they are unthankful. And so God begins to give them up. That phraseology is used at least three times here within this chapter. God begins to give them up. Verse 24 says, God gave them up to uncleanness. This group, God gave up to uncleanness. Verse 26 says, then God gave them up unto vile affections. Then verse number 28 says, then God gave them up to a reprobate mind to be without conscience. See, when a man fails to recognize God for who he is, God will give him over to his natural state of uncleanness. Mm-hmm. And once this happens, because he's in his natural state of uncleanness, his affections will be influenced by his condition. Uh-huh. An unclean person has vile affections. An unclean. Yeah. Listen, this is work. I know it is, but it is work. Living for the Lord. The Bible says, it tells us the Scripture, set your affections on those things that are above. And the word set within itself tells us that we have to take some control, some participation in this matter. It doesn't just happen... It's not accident. You just don't roll out of bed and you live for God. No, every day you're setting your affections because the natural state of the man is vile. The natural state of the man is deplorable. But, but he says when, when, when you see God, you recognize God, but you don't glorify him as God, God's just going to give you up to your natural state of uncleanness and then that's going to have a snowball effect and you're going to have then vile affections All right. And then finally, whenever you're acting upon vile affections, man, the Bible says he does not wish to retain God in his knowledge. And you know why we don't want to retain God in our knowledge whenever we're doing our vile affections? Because we don't want to deal with the shame and the guilt that we're feeling. If you ever felt guilty because you sin, you better say, thank you, Jesus. If you ever feel shame because you have done something wrong, you don't don't turn that away as that something negative. That's something very, very positive. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. Huh? He says, "He they says, don't want to deal with the guilt, don't want to deal with the shame. He says, well, I'll just turn them over into a reprobate mind. I'll, I'll just let them continue in their state of uncleanness, doing their vile affections, but now I'll take away the feeling that they've done anything wrong. If they don't want the guilt and they don't want the shame, but they don't want to change. The only way to remove the guilt and the shame without a change is for me to remove it and put them in a place where they don't even know when they've done wrong. Someone say amen. He said to do those things that are not convenient, not becoming, not fit. And the list that are in those things are those three verses that we began with, which backbiting. Now, folks, this is getting scary. Oh, yeah. It's getting scary. Because then if I understand this right, if backbiting is a consequence and not a problem. If I find myself in a regular practice then of backbiting. That is explaining to me there's a deeper problem. That somewhere along the line, I recognized God but didn't glorify him as God. I became unthankful so God turned me over to my uncleanness. And then continuing therein, he turned me over to my vile affections at... Somebody hear me right now? God telling David here all up front. He said, if they're in my presence, he says, it's because they don't backbite with their tongue. If they are in my presence. Now, look, look, look at verse 21 of Romans 1. In the beginning, a man knew God, but didn't glorify him as God. Now in verse twenty-eight has turned into a man that doesn't even want to know God. A man that knew God, but then glorify Him as God, turned into a man that doesn't even know God. That is good teaching, right there. It is the steps. It is the steps of. A backbiter. And so the concept is this. If you consciously refuse to recognize right. who you know today as God. Right. There'll be a place somewhere in your tomorrow that you'll wish you never even knew him. Come on. My goodness. Yes, sir. Now this all goes back to the society that David was talking about in Psalms 14. They weren't seeking God. They were even saying what? There was There was no God, not even knowing a God. There was no God, which was false, which was false. Because look, God has put within the DNA of mankind for all of us to have a knowledge of a God, of God. The Bible says, Romans 1 verse 18, I know I'm going slow here today. For the wrath of God, Romans 1:18, for the wrath of God, I already read this, but let me read it again, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Everybody in that list are people who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now look at this, because, verse 19, that which may be known of God is Manifest in them. That which can be known of God is manifested in humanity. Look now. For God hath shewed it unto them. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him, that is God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. You know what God is saying? God is saying everything that I created that is tangible, that mankind can see, including mankind himself, everything that I have created, amen, I have put within creation a concept, an idea that there is a God. They can understand the invisible by the visible. That's the way that I have created things. And so since that's the case, even my eternal power can be understood by what is created even my godhead my godhead can be understood by what is created so they are without excuse they cannot say they don't know a god all they got to do is start looking at the created things and know that there is a god they can't say they don't understand the godhead because when they look at man who is body and mind and soul, they understand that the father the son and the spirit and the how they are without excuse And so when we go along here and we get to verse 32 of Romans 1, that that last verse there, you, you can put any of those labels in for the who from the previous list. You can put any of those labels in, but for our purposes, backbiting is what we're talking about. Who knowing or backbiters, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things, backbiting, are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do it. In other words, backbiters know the judgment of this activity is worthy of death. And yet they continue to do it. And they have pleasure or they consent. They agree to, they applaud. And other people that do the same. And this is the reason why backbiting is so dangerous. Because if backbiters congregate with other backbiters, all they do is applaud each other. Give encouragement to each other for their backbiting. But what we need is a Proverbs 25, 23 verse that says, The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. Unless there's somebody among where the backbiters are to detest the backbiting. It will not be driven away. It will just continue. And when when you are defaming when you are speaking down about somebody else then you are not glorifying god what i'm saying is whenever you're using your tongue for that purpose the bible says can can waters put forth bitter and sweet no they can't do both at the same time can you speak life and can you speak blessing can you speak cursing at the same time no and so if you're speaking cursing you're not speaking blessing if you're speaking cursing you can't glorify and magnify the Lord amen and so somebody there needs to be somebody and we need to take our row ladies and gentlemen and we need to take our row to be able to stand and say wait a moment I plan on being a presence dweller while I'm here on this earth and I'm trying to get to the heavens to be a presence dweller and I'm here to tell you right now that needs to stop that needs to be shut off that needs to be turned around I'm my ears are not for that. You don't need to be saying that. Someone say amen. And so here's the very practical lesson. If you glorify God as God, and if you are thankful to God, what that does is help eliminate time and practice of the misuse of our tongues. I noted this Uh, Wednesday night, and I asked that question with with great intent, because things, whoo, Wednesday night we had a generation to generation service, we had five of our elders up here, and we had several questions we were going to get through, we just got through one, but we had our elders up here, and we was asking them to recount their conversion story. And they were in the process of talking about that. I was hearing this 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 common thing that was coming up and saying about, well, whenever we got together and they weren't talking about church, whenever we got together, man, we would sing songs and they would some that could play music, they play music and they would pray. And so I asked the question, I said, so you're telling me or are you telling me then whenever you guys got together for fellowship, your fellowship was just nothing more but another time to sing to the Lord and to pray and talk about God. And the resounding answer that I received from those folks, yes, that's exactly what it is. Oh, God, help me this morning. I need help Jesus today. And so that, that it was that their conversation was centered on God. And we're blown back. I remember, you know, every time we used to get together, Mom, you know, Grandpa Holland, man, that's where he's going to. He's going to the word of the Lord. He's going to start talking about Daniel, Daniel chapter 13 or Revelation 13, Daniel 7 and 8. And he's going to talk about God. And we, we teased around, you know, anytime you go going to have Grandpa Holland, you're going to have a Bible study. You know what? That's what their life was about. It was just about God. They talked about God. But when they were talking about God, they weren't talking about their brother or their sister. They weren't talking about this being negative or that being bad. Today, it's hard for people to have a conversation unless they can talk about people. They can't talk about people. They can't have a conversation. People, there should be some people that could not have, they would not be conversationalists if people couldn't be their topic. And what the Bible's telling me, if we would glorify God and be thankful to God, we'd have less time and less practice of misusing our tongues because it would all be centered around him. Yeah. I would challenge some of us the next time you have a get together at your home or your family, why don't you just try to pick up an instrument and play something, sing something, talk about God, talk about what he did in your family, talk about what he's doing in the church, talk about how great God is. I guarantee you if you do that, there will be no time in that night you'll have to repent over before you go to bed because you was talking about how that one, they haven't been in church so long and that one over there, they're really not living for God and that one over there, they have all against me and that one over there, no, 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 a presence dweller now and then is one that backs bite not with their tongue yes. 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 Uh-huh. <coughs> Good. Job even early on in scripture says Job six twenty-four, and we need to join him he says teach me and I will hold my tongue Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. He said, teach me. And I will hold my tongue. Kid's going to be coming out here soon, so I'll try to wrap up. Just these other two no things in Psalms 15. Really, the, the, the main thrust this morning for me was the first one. But nevertheless, no, it's not just such a one that doesn't speak evil. Concerning his neighbor, but it's also one that does no evil. It's not about just not speaking evil. It's about doing no evil to your neighbor. And I can almost hear the lawyer of Luke 10 pipe up, you know, he was asking the Lord about what he must do to inherit eternal life. And the Lord tells him, you know, basically love the Lord and love your neighbor. And then his question back to the Lord was this, who is my neighbor? Because he's wanting to know how far do I got to go? You know, is my neighbor just my family? Is my neighbor my spouse? Is my neighbor, you know, just Jews? Is my neighbor just the priests and the Levites? How far do I go? Who is my neighbor? And I think some read this. I read this uh, this past week again and seen that nor doeth evil to his neighbor. And I know you here. Well, who is my neighbor, Lord? And you know, they say neighbor is someone near or nigh to you. But here in the Hebrew, it's a friend, a companion, a spouse. Now, here comes the broad brush or any other person. <laughs> they don't have to live on your street or in your state, or any other person. I got to do this, Uh, Andrew. The other night, we were spending time with family, and uh, one of the kids did something to the other one, and Andrew said, don't treat your cousin like that. They're family. And I jokingly said, no, you do that to someone you don't know. So so I'm saying this: family, not family, enemy, it doesn't matter. Amen. Do and evil wasn't just reserved for a certain class of people. Whatever happened in the process of the beatitudes when the Lord was doing his sermon on the mountain, he told us to bless those who cursed you and right? Bless those who so despitefully use you." Thirdly, there in verse number three, the Bible says, "Nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Taketh to lift, bear up, carry, take or." support a reproach happens when a man either aggravates the real or the supposed faults of his neighbor either in opinion or practice now there are two ways to take up a reproach and both of them are equally wrong one way to take up a reproach is to be as the backbiter, to be the originator of it, all right? But the other way to take up a reproach is to be the receiver, the hearer of it. Someone once said it like this. They said, slander, were there no ears to receive scandal, there would soon be no tongues to speak it. The receiver is as vile as the traitor in them. In other words, someone that does not take up a reproach against his neighbor is a person that is slow to believe the evil spoken about another. Slow to believe the evils spoken of another. You may have done it yourself, and I hope so. I know I've done it at times. Things come down the pike. I've heard and I tell Don, I cannot believe that because I can't, I cannot, I cannot believe that matter of fact. I'm not, I'm not just taking one person's word for that. I just, I just cannot believe it. I, I know, I know that person. I know that person. who hope that. Sometimes it ended up being true. Other times it ended up being false But I wasn't going to be a propagator. There's been, there's been, you know, especially in the days of evangelism, you was in the circuit of the the, the grapevine. Man, we heard all kinds of stuff. A lot of stuff just died right there with our spirit. And later it would come out just like explodes. Like, did you know such and such? And you just shake your head like you was hearing it for the first time. But you already heard a long time ago, but I wasn't going to be a propagator. God, it'd be a horrible story for God to somehow someone step out. That was a great gossip and also evangelize. Hallelujah. Stand with me. So David says, I told you what. They look like concerning their word, their work their walk says but let me tell you what they're not like concerning backbiting their neighbor doing evil to their neighbor or taking up a reproach against their neighbor in reality verse number three can be tucked back underneath either the walk the word or the work of verse number two perhaps next week we'll close it down with the rest of the chapter of reserve parking but those are just some tips for avoiding some parking tickets today If You don't want to be chargeable for being a place that you shouldn't be because you're participating in something you shouldn't be participating in. That's how we can be a guest. And it is our desire, amen, in the new year, we might be pilgrims and strangers upon this earth below. But while I'm here, I want to be constantly making advances, visitations to his presence. I want, I want this to be the preparation room for someday living in the eternal home of always being in the presence of the Lord. And what we said when this this series ever started is the criteria for there is no different for frequenting His presence right now. It's not like there's two separate lists. David asked the question. The lists were the same. For just being a guest which what the word abide seems to indicate or to dwell a permanent residence resident in his presence we just bow our heads in this place thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username f-a-c-m-c again that's f-a-c-m-c thank you and have a blessed day